Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 81. Today's podcast is all about ways in which we can show up more in life and have brave conversations. It's a topic that I know a lot of our listeners are really interested to hear more about. Being brave in conversations can really bring on so much anxiety, dread, doubt, fear and worry for so many people and it could just be holding you back from being who you want to be or living the life that you truly desire. Before we dive into the conversation with Catherine today, I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that episode 81 is brought to you today by one of my all-time favorite brands, and that is, of course, Esme Skincare. Esme create the most beautiful skincare that I have been using for years, and I know that so many of you have now converted and are also using their products because one of the top messages that I receive in the DMs is always asking for a discount code. So yes, I do have a discount code to share with you for the Esme range and that code is KCPOD, all in capitals. So that code again is just KCPOD, all in caps, and you can just enter that at the checkout when you go to Esme.com. I'll also spell Esme for you because it is spelt E-S-M-I. I. So if you just pop ESMI into your browser, use that code KCPOD at the checkout and you will save yourself some money. I really genuinely love all of their products. If I had to choose my favorites, I would definitely say my top all-time favorite that I get really sad if I run out of and I don't have another one there waiting for me is the 24 karat gold nourishing oil. It is luxury in a bottle. It is so beautiful, so nourishing, so hydrating for your skin. And it really makes a difference, not just to the way that your skin looks, but also the way that your skin feels. It makes your face so soft, so dewy, and I just love it. 
I also really, really love their Hyaluronic Serum, which is one of their blue skin treats. Now, if you've not heard of the skin treats that Esme have created, they're amazing. There are a whole range of different skin treats and each one is designed to target specific skin concerns. So there is literally a skin treat for every skin type or every skin concern. And if you jump over to the Esme website, you can have a chat with one of their skincare consultants who will be able to guide you and help you to work out just what products are going to deliver the skin goals that you are after. Whether it's improving pigmentation, making your skin a little brighter, hydration, nourishment, anti-aging, eyes, the skin around your eyes, they're hydrating and also anti-aging eye serum is beautiful. I could rave on about their products for hours and still have more to say, but I will leave it there and just remind you that that discount code is KCPOD. And you may want to be quick with that because I'm unsure how long it will be live. So today's podcast, as I mentioned, it's all about being brave in conversation. And I'll leave it to Catherine to define what a brave or a tough conversation could be. And she has so many wonderful different strategies and also just food for thought as well as practical tips. So who is Catherine Plano? During our episode, you'll hear who she is in her own words, but I thought I would also share a little bit about her here in the intro as well. So Catherine is a very experienced speaker. She's also worked with all sorts of different corporate companies and her areas of expertise include stress management, entrepreneurship and business, self-discovery, emotional intelligence, strength-based leadership, neuroscience and neuromarketing, mindfulness and meditation. She loves to speak about all sorts of topics including developing a mindset that attracts wealth and success, challenging your belief systems, overcoming resistance to manifest all that you want, why you're stuck and how to get unstuck, and so many more great topics. She really loves to explore all sorts of different things from quantum physics to brain chemistries to psychological safety, women in leadership, and also spiritual psychology as well. She's very, very passionate about empowering people to live their best life, as you'll hear in our conversation. So without further ado, I will let you get stuck into this episode and I hope you really, really enjoy it. Catherine, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your expertise with our community. I'm really excited to unpack the topic of being brave in conversation and also just in life in general. But before we dive in, can you share with our community a little bit about yourself and your extensive experience? Well, firstly, thank you so much for the introduction. I'm super excited to talk about how to have brave conversations. So basically what I do is I um, coach, like life coach, leadership and executive coach. That's what I do. I've been doing it for about 25 years or so um, and I love it, absolutely love it. I love um, seeing people going through a major shift. Uh, that makes me feel like I'm on purpose. So put it really high level in a nutshell that's what I do 
brilliant and 25 years is quite an amount of time to be working in that industry so it's so cool to hear that it still really really lights you up Mm, I know and it is I mean for me it's it's started even like much before that Um, I used to be on my own little spiritual adventure and um, and for me it was really important to help others and when I was on this journey in my teens and 20s I realized people were very dependent on me and I didn't feel like I was empowering people and that's where I I really decided to shift what I was doing and got into coaching, uh, neuroscience, brain science, brain leadership, uh, NLP, you name it. Uh, and now I feel like I'm purpose. I feel like I am really helping people transform their lives. Mm, I love that. It's so exciting. And I appreciate you sharing with us kind of in the broad picture what it is that you do and what makes you feel on purpose. But before we dive in, could you just unpack a little bit more about your training and what sort of an everyday, you know, day would be like for you? Wow. Uh Right now, it's interesting. Uh, we're we're uh, doing lots of things online, uh, but my day normally it, it varies. I do face to face, one on ones. I do group coaching. I do a lot of workshops. I do also a lot of speaking. I travel, used to travel, uh, not at the moment, uh, with uh, speaking, which I absolutely love. I love speaking, um, and. Uh, yeah, facilitating groups and conversations. Cool. And when I was reading through all of your information, it just, it, it was kind of, it's so impressive to see all of the different industries that you've trained in. So could you just touch on that again for our listeners before we start chatting about the conversation side of things? Yes, of course. So basically I've been in corporate for 25 years and I've worked with the likes of Woolworths, Qantas, uh, NAB, ANZ, you name it. I've worked with a lot of large corporates and predominantly looking at um, culture, like how do we help people shift their mindset? How do we go into an organisation and have a look at their current culture? And uh, how do we um, transform their culture into where, uh, you know, what they want to be? Um, so, yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's lots. You can go onto my website and see all of them. But there's lots of corporate um, corporations I've worked with, uh, which has been lots of fun. I bet. And so let's get into the conversation side of things because before we started recording, I was sharing with you just this morning that. I feel as though right now I'm in a place in life where I'm really quite comfortable with being uncomfortable, but Mm -hmm. it's certainly been a process to get to this point. And there's been all sorts of different life experiences and situations that have led me to be able to, you know, pull the trigger and be brave in all different ways. And being brave to me is definitely an umbrella term. But I guess today I want to focus on that ability to move forward with tricky conversations in life because it is a life skill that truly can provide so much growth. And when I mentioned this on my Instagram stories, so many women reached out saying that they are afraid of being brave in conversation and it brings on so much anxiety for them. So what would you define as a brave conversation? 
Mm, I love that question. So let's have a look at, I, I think that, and, and this is one of the things that I, I do facilitate on is why we have, um, or why do we avoid having these challenging conversations in the first place? And I always like to break up the conversations into three ways. So uh, you can you can call it brave or courageous, it's up to you, but there's three different conversations that we have as a whole. Um, and they're, they're first one is a difficult conversation it's difficult because it's to do with other people and it's an external driver an external driver could be um how um you know how somebody it could be inappropriate behavior it could be some form of conflict but it's external of you courageous or a brave conversation is an internal driver and this is about what you you want to ask for um it's when you need to ask or want to ask something for yourself. And sometimes people feel very vulnerable when they have to stand in their truth and ask, I want a pay rise, and especially for women. I see this more so in women because I work with a lot of women in, lead, in leadership and they find it really hard to be to stand in their truth and say, hey, I deserve more than this. So this is a courageous or a brave conversation. And then there's a growth conversation, a growth conversation can come from uh, a difficult or a courageous conversation. It's one of those things that asking feedback, for example, is a growth conversation. And I find that we don't ask for uh, enough feedback because uh, how do we know our blind spots if we don't have the courage or the, or, 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 um, or be brave enough to ask a friend or ask a work colleague, um, you know, Tell me, if you had to describe me in a word, uh, how do I come across to you? Or, you know, what do I do really well? Or what could I do differently? Or what are my opportunities? So there's the three types of conversations we have, difficult, courageous, and growth. So that's how I define each one. Mm, thank you for that. I think that that's an awesome way of defining them. And as you were speaking about them, I was kind of ticking them off in my head going, yep, yep, I can see how that relates to that. It's so true. And it's interesting to hear about the difference between when you're having a conversation surrounding something that's out of your control, I guess, versus mm -hmm. something that's inwards and that's your truth and your authenticity and in particular with the feedback questions I guess that's difficult for people for both sides of that coin because when you're asking for feedback and you're fearful that it's going to be negative that can be really confronting and it can also be confronting and uncomfortable for people to have positive feedback so I guess a lot of the times it's more tempting to just stick your head in the sand for lack of a better expression and avoid both of those results. So true, so true. And, I mean, you know, we can look at it. If we have more of a curious mindset, and I always say that we need to have a, this appetite for a curious mindset because once we have a curious mindset, we, we, we don't have the fear of, um, you know, going through a bit of a discovery session about, you know, what what am I good at or, or you know, asking for that feedback, which is, it's really, um, I encourage all of us to do it because it's, there is no such bad feedback. To me, feedback is feedback. And if we can go in there with a bit of fun, um, we can come out of it and go, well, that's really cool. Thank you so much. I mean, my husband and I do it all the time. You know, he, he was, I'll, you know we'll have a conversation. He might um, 
I'll allow him, I'll give him the space to stand in his truth. But I could just say, like, how did I come across just then? And he might turn around and say, do I have permission to stand in my truth? I go, absolutely. He goes, well, you know what? I had to really hold myself back from just jumping over the table right then um, because of the way that he responded. And we laugh at it all the time. And I think that the more that we can go into asking for that feedback, it is, it's growth in not just growth for yourself, but growth for your relationships. Mm really important and I think too in what I've observed is often that when people are afraid of something it's actually the fear that is worse than the actual thing so it's this you know we get so anxious surrounding having a tough conversation or a brave or courageous conversation and we work ourselves up you know, we get so worried about it and that's really uncomfortable. Whereas yes, having the conversation could be uncomfortable, but it's nowhere near as bad as all of that preamble of getting yourself sort of all worked up over it. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. And it doesn't always come easily for some people to communicate directly. And as I said, there can be an element of overthinking that dread or that anxiety in the lead up to having certain conversations for anyone who is listening along and nodding their heads right now, being able to identify with feeling nervous or fearful of these conversations, how would you suggest that they're able to manage their anxiety? Or do you believe it's more a case of learning how to break that learned behavior pattern response? Well, first of all, I always say plan your conversations. If you plan your conversations, you alleviate all the fear and the anxiety attached to having a conversation. You think about it, how often do we plan our conversations? Never. I, I, it, it's one of those things. It's not like you sit down and plan the conversation. So how it would look like, for example, if we were to plan a conversation, before we step into conversation, we need to be very conscious about what is the, the topic at hand and make it one topic. You don't want to bring last year or five years ago. You just want to bring this one topic. And even if it means that it's something you have never spoken about, but it's something that ha it's a pattern that's been going on for five, ten years, you don't want to talk about the past. You want to talk about the present. But give your, your topic, your, uh, your whatever you want, your conversation, a topic or, or a headline. So it could be as simple as, um, you know, the way that you speak to me you know it's it's about it could be uh um the way that you treat me or whatever that is right just pick one topic that you're going to talk about when you step into a conversation then what you do is write down why you want to have this conversation be really clear on your why well the why is because uh for example let's go back to how you speak to me well it, it, it is important for me to feel um, validated and valuable and um, the way that you speak to me makes me feel like I'm not heard right then the second step was then what is it that you want to achieve out of this conversation well the what would be that you would give me the space to be heard uh, and we could collaborate more in our conversations rather it being one you know one 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 direction and then the last piece, I'm a three-time convincer, it has to always be in three ways. The last piece is 
how are you how is this conversation going to take place so i'm i'm doing this this is really important why we need to plan it as you can see you're taking away the anxiety and the fear because you're, you're now you've got you're on purpose and you're really clear about what it's all about does that make sense absolutely it does it and removes so then, some of the ambiguity ambiguity absolutely so then what you can do and you can just journal this down is write down all the things that you want to to say right so um it might be that you know you talk down to me and you yell at me and you don't listen to me and blah 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 now as you can hear it's all you 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 mm. so when you go into a conversation and you're going to be pointing at them guess what they're going to be uh not listening Defensive. they're going to be defending absolutely they're going to defend themselves right so what we do is then we turn around all the things we we wanted to say turn them into questions so now you're going into a conversation you know your why you know what and you know how because you're very clear about the topic it's only one topic you don't bring up the past and now you are going in there with a really clear um understanding of what questions you are going to ask because you want to draw them in not point the finger at them and so by drawing them in so all the things that you want to say turn them into questions so it could be as simple as let's say i had a dinner party and my husband i'm making this up by the way just in case my husband hears this <laughs> podcast i don't want him to completely get completely anecdotal <laughs> yeah absolutely so let's say we had a dinner party and you know and and we had a conversation and i felt that he talked down to me well it could be as simple as i'm going into this conversation i know that what the topic's about it's about exactly what we're talking about it's about you know um the way that he speaks to me so i could be going in there and say so what did you think about dinner last night or our dinner party last night and see what he thinks and and, and what he says and then i'll go how did you feel our conversations went right and then if you could turn back the time what do you think we could have done differently and even so by doing by asking these questions what it does for you it gives you insight into are they conscious of the way they're speaking to me and maybe they're not because sometimes the, these behaviors are unconscious they're not conscious so then what happens is then you can turn around sometimes this is where we need to be a little bit more direct is you can say if you were in my shoes last night if you were in my shoes how do you think you would have felt if i spoke to you in that way so you're not pointing the finger at them you're actually drawing them in still putting them in your shoes mm. does that it's does that good, help yeah it's a really interesting way to think of framing the conversation because as you were mentioning you know writing down all of the things that you want to get out i was nodding along and understanding saying you know you do xyz you do and i thought that you were going to go into more of the changing that to the I statements, which I guess is the classic. So rather than you spoke down to me, it was I felt sad when I yes. heard and taking yes. the onus of the responsibility. So I think it's a really cool concept to add in those questions and become more curious. And I guess it puts a little bit of space in between your feelings and your reactions because we are so quick quick to respond and I guess be triggered sometimes so it's becoming more aware and going oh perhaps rather than taking this as a personal attack on me it's looking at the bigger picture of what's going on and being yeah. curious 
Yeah. And, and it could be as simple as even when you go, how did you feel the conversation where they might just go, well, you said something really that triggered me, you know, and then it might give you insight to why they behave that way. And I'll go, oh, okay. I'm curious. What did I say for you to get triggered? Well, you talked about something that was personal that was just between you and I. So you can see that sometimes a conversation opens, opens up a conversation that you never anticipated. That you didn't know you needed to have. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the idea of planning a conversation and staying on purpose with writing down, okay, this is the issue at hand that we're talking about. These are the things that I want to get out because that would definitely help to alleviate some anxiety for some people because it is that unknown of going, oh, I don't know how I'm going to express myself in this situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you can see when we, with anything, when we plan, even like when we do a talk or uh, a workshop or, you know, anything, we always have to prepare. And I mean, for me, I have to prepare. And if I didn't prepare and I would just, you know, go on the fly, I would, I would be fearful. I would be anxious. I would be panicky. But when I'm prepared and I've planned, there's this sense of calmness about me. Well, it kind of gives you an anchor, doesn't it? Mm, it does absolutely and I know that a really big concern for a lot of people listening is a fear of hurting someone else's feelings or letting someone down so how could we navigate that balance of caring for someone but not carrying their emotional baggage or their emotional response and I guess just yeah not feeling responsible for someone else's hurt feelings or the way that they respond Yeah, I love that question. So for me, I think it makes a big difference when you speak from the heart. When you speak from the heart, there's this like an amazing exchange that takes place. And and I I just want to explain. We communicate in three ways, right? So we communicate through our physiology, our body language, by 55%. We communicate also by the way we speak to another person, the tone that we speak in. That's 38%. And the words that we use is 7%. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. The words doesn't, doesn't mean that they're not important because they are important because a word leads to a picture, right? So they're, they're powerful. But when I speak to someone and I'm, I'm being really conscious that I want to speak from a heart space, so let's say I'm having this conversation with my husband, I may place my hand over my heart. So just that in itself already, that's 55% of my conversation that's taking place. Just the fact that I'm putting my hand over my heart as I'm speaking from my heart, that's half of my conversation taking place before I even utter a word. So in, in, by doing this, we're actually, one, we're not, um, you know, we're not, the fear won't be there because if we're doing it because we're doing it from a place of love, there's no fear of hurting somebody else's feelings. And, and therefore, we're doing it from a place of an exchange of love. So we're not letting anyone down. Am I making sense what I'm saying here? Yeah, you are. And I think that it would really come down to an, an individual actually being clear enough to speak from the heart I guess in my mind I'm I'm knowing that a lot of people listening just based off feedback are in their mind you know it could be a conversation with their mother-in-law so if it's going in and they're going to be angry and they're going to be upset and spiteful and also wanting to hurt the other person that's 
obviously um, going to be a completely different thing. So it's first of all, before engaging in that conversation, it's actually knowing your authentic truth and not the surface level stuff because the surface level stuff is, oh, I want to respond. I want to be in control. I want to take my power back. But really, if you come down to the core, it could be, say, for example, if we use the mother-in-law as an example, rather than saying, you make me feel poorly when you don't listen to how I want to raise my kids. It's going in hand on the heart and saying, I, my feelings are hurt when you don't listen to me because the way that our parents important to me. Mm. Well, we could, we could, we could really unwrap this topic a lot. So if there's, you know, I always say if there's someone out there that's, that's rubbing you up the wrong way, um, it's a projection of you. So if there's, if, if so let's use a mother-in-law as an example, what are we projecting? Because the thing is, and this is probably shadow talk, your shadow comes up. It's whatever annoys you externally is what you're projecting. Uh, so it's that, 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 that deep unconscious stuff that we're talking about that's been repressed, we're projecting out. And this is how we need to, uh, A, be, take ownership of the things we're projecting, but if it's the mother-in-law, for me, it's like if the mother-in-law is holding up the mirror right now, what is that mirror? What's the message that I'm getting from the mother-in-law? What's that, the reflection right now for me? Mm, which is what I'm saying because with your response in regards to really coming from an authentic and heart space place, it's important to do that work first because I guess for a lot of people who have mentioned that they'd be afraid of hurting someone else's feelings or letting someone down, they've got to get past or I guess identify why they have that fear in the first place. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But I I think also if we we always drop into the heart, and I think a lot of the times people go into conversations, it's in the mind. Right and and it's, and the dialogue and the story has been stuck in the mind, going back and forth, back and forth. But when you drop it into the heart, it's such a ge- different feeling. You have more compassion. There's more understanding because you're coming from a place of love. Even the language comes out differently. So for people who are worried about hurting people's feelings, it's really doing your own work first, so that you actually know what you're what you're carrying yourself and then going into that conversation from a place of love. Absolutely. It always comes back to us. Anything that triggers us externally is a calling for us to lean into it and work with it. Mm, oh, my gosh, there's so many layers, aren't there? <laughs> I know. This is what I was like. I, did, I don't know how deep you want to go, but I was going to say this, we could go really deep with this one because it is – it is. Um, very much up to us. Mm. So how can we stay on track and get our point across in conversation with kindness? Would you suggest that people actually take their notes with them? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it goes back to our plan. Absolutely. If you want to, uh, and I carry notes sometimes with me to keep me on track so that I know that my purpose here was to have this one conversation and one topic only. And, you know, and it could be, you could actually be, you know, like you could set the scene and say, um, I had a bit of a, a, a bit of a, um, 
I did some journaling around this so to keep me on track and I had some questions because I'm really curious. I want to find out more about, you know, what you're thinking and what you're feeling. So absolutely, you can have a piece of paper with your questions there to keep you on track. And I imagine in conversations as well for people who are feeling a little bit worried about how the other person could respond, having that is just, it's your prompt. You can go back to, okay, yeah, we'll come back to this. But what would you say to someone who would say to you, okay, Catherine, that's great. I've written down my notes, but the person I want to have this conversation with is now feeling a bit bamboozled and like I've come in ultra prepared. Would you suggest that before you have one of these conversations, you give someone a heads up? Um, absolutely. I think it's, like it's really, it's, it's how we deliver it, right? It's, you know, oh, I want to have a talk to you tomorrow. Or I want to have a talk to you tonight. That might create fear and anxiety in itself. Um, You know, and it could be as simple as making, look, I know some people, I've worked with different people that have been really creative. They, you know, let's have a chat. I I want to talk about us, you know, and and I want you to think about, and it could be as as simple as I, um, I would love for us to come into this conversation together and I would love for you to think about maybe, two or three things that you uh, love about our relationship and maybe one area that we could focus on, an opportunity. And so some people uh, can set up a conversation like that. Uh, I know some people that have sticky notes each. So they've come up with a a sticky note, uh, sticky, you know, sticky post-it notes uh, each and they'll talk about one topic and they they write down, uh, they collaborate around the conversation. And so it could be that I'll be the driver of the conversation with a question, but where then we could collaborate with some sticky notes and, and almost like build this uh, collage of, of responses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be as creative as you want. When I mentioned on Instagram that I was going to be interviewing an expert in the field to talk about brave conversations, an overwhelming response that I re- received was surrounding people's fear of other people's opinions and also people saying that they feel as though they are people pleasers. So what would be your advice to, I guess, people pleasers and also those who are afraid of other people's opinions? How can they move through that? Mm, Great question. So two separate topics. So let's separate the two because people pleasing is one and fear is another. So with people pleasing, I am a recovering people pleaser, so I know exactly what it's all about, and I've experienced stress, anxiety, and burnout from people pleasing. But first, we need to have a look at people pleasing. We are saying yes to others, and by saying yes to others, we're actually saying no to ourselves. And I know that over time with me, that created or that led to resentment towards others because then I didn't have enough time to do the things I wanted to do for myself. Now, the thing we need to look at. I was just going to jump in there and say that's such a cool way to look at it because often people pleasers are saying they want to put everyone's needs before their own. But what ends up happening over the long term is that you end up resenting those people and it could cause a rift between you if you don't have that boundary in place. So true. Okay. So true. So true. And, you know, the the thing is with people pleasing, it's if you're saying yes to everybody else, right, 
what are you not leaning into? What is it that you are turning your back or you're turning your back towards? You are walking away from you. What is it that you are avoiding or not wanting to deal with? And this is what we need to lean, lean into. Why am I saying yes to everybody else but not yes to me? Mm. And the other thing was the fear. So with fear of what others other people may think or fear of others' opinions. So this is a different that topic. That's a big one. Yes, it's a big one. So with fear, it's just like worry, 90% of the things that we fear and worry about never come to fruition. Fear is false evidence appearing real. Really, it's oh, just I a figment. <laughs> it's great. a figment of our imagination. We are telling our stories or we are uh, uh, creating these or manifesting these amazing stories. So with fear, we need to sit with it. And this is where, you know, you can bring out your journal because journaling is huge to unpack some of these things, whether it's people-pleasing or fear. And with fear, the way I look at it, when it presents, I always say, okay, what is this fear preventing me from doing? So, for example, if we were to say, okay, what is this fear preventing me from doing? Because this fear is I'm fear, fearful of other people's opinions. So this fear is preventing me from standing in my truth, saying what I want to say or do what I want to do, right? And then so you can go. what is this fear costing? Yeah. What is it? Well, yeah, and what is it costing? Or what is it preventing me from becoming? So when we think about that, what is preventing me from becoming? Well, it's preventing me from being my authentic true self. It's a preventing me from standing in my truth and standing in my light. And then what will happen if I do nothing about it? So what about if I just let this fear run its course, take over my life, take over my mental and emotional body, or what will happen if I overcome this fear? What will then I accomplish? It's so important to reflect on these questions, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And we can't just, this is why we need to get it out of our head into a piece of paper, a journal, because it helps us unpack it and bring light to it. And this is how we bring light to our blind spots. Yes, and when we're bringing light to something that's, removing that shadow and taking away that fear spot on absolutely it does help remove the shadow so helpful and in terms of rejection that's another one that comes up a lot that fear of being vulnerable and then feeling rejected it seems to be stopping a lot of people from as you would say standing in their truth could you just speak directly to anyone who's listening right now and struggling with the fear of rejection Yep, same. The thing is too, fear of rejection is it's where does it come from in the first place? So, and this is a big one too because in our development phase, we all go through these different phases. From So, for example, from the time you are born right up to the age of seven, we call this our imprinting phase. And in this phase, we are 
it's called the unconscious phase because everything that goes on in our environment uh, with our parents, our siblings, the things that went on at school, the things that we watch on TV, the things that we read in books, that is downloaded in our unconscious mind right up to the age of seven. Then from the age of seven to 14, this is what we call our modeling phase, right? And this is where we start becoming, and this is our subconscious phase. This is, our, this is where our emotions start to kick in. And this is where we step out and go, who am I? What is my identity? And in this phase, this is where we start copying other people. And you'll see it with kids. Like I, I saw my, my son when he was growing up in that time, he wanted to wear the same jeans as his friends, the same labels, shoes, or the same haircuts. You know, it's because they, they look up to somebody. It might, be, it might not just be a friend. It might be a parent or somebody at school. It might even be a rock star or a superhero. And they behave like them and they act like them and so forth. And then our next phase from 14 to 21 is our socialisation. So this is where, where do I fit in society? And this is what we call our conscious phase. And this is our rebellious years. So if you go back to fear of rejection, a lot of that time, the fear of rejection comes from our development phase. And it could be as simple as being rejected from somebody at school, rejected from even a group. So we need to really sit with that as well. We can sit with that fear of rejection is if I go back to the root cause, the very first time I can think of when I experience rejection, what comes to mind? And this is how then we work with the rejection part. We need to deconstruct our rejection or our fear of rejection. Does this help a little bit? Yeah, that's it's really helpful and it's so true. And talking about this really brings back for me a lot of the a lot of um, conversations I've had surrounding core beliefs. It's so interesting how our core beliefs and things that happen to us early in our life they end up just playing out unless we do unpack it and do a little bit of work on it because it just keeps calling the shots. Absolutely, it does. Do you know even for me? Um, I, I've been doing this work for such a long time and even in only just a couple of years ago I was having a conversation with my husband and I realised I had this thing, fear of success. And I was like, "Why? Would, where does this come from? And when I sat down with myself or sat down with a feeling like where does it, where's the root cause to that? Like where did it start? What's the very first time? And, you know, it took me back to when I came to Australia. I came to Australia when I was seven years old and I didn't speak a word of English and I had to live in a hostel for two years and learn English. So I went to a migrant English school day and night before I was allowed to go to primary school. And every time I had to stand up in class and speak, people would laugh at me and make fun of me about my words and my accent and so forth. So it could be as simple as that. And that in itself, the fear of success is my unconscious mind will say, remember Catherine when you were seven? What happened when you stood in your light? What happened when you stood in front of everybody? You were ridiculed. People made fun of you. And so it kept showing up today as an adult. Yeah. Every time I was on the brink of success, I would sabotage it. Because you want to go back to, I guess, that core belief, that familiar feeling. It's that 
kind of baseline, isn't it? That, that's right. You know, as much as you don't want to be there, there's something inside of you that's like, no, no, this is where you need to be. Yes, absolutely. And only once you can get to the root cause and give it a different meaning, like absolutely, I went back in there with, you know, my hand over my heart and said, you know what, kids kids don't really mean anything they say. You know, it's it's all part of like growing up, isn't it? It's not there's no mal intended in anything that they did or said. And so I was able to forgive those children around me and love them and bless them and come back as an adult, as I am today with my adult eyes and gave it a completely different meaning. It has no power over me anymore. Yes. And I love that. And that's what I think is such important work. And when I say work, sometimes it's not even that hard. It's just actually allowing that space to reflect go back to that point in time and like you said you know just reframe because often we are living our life based off something that we perceive to happen and if we can go back and look at it from a different angle or add a little more innocence to it or really look at it as a small child we can take that I guess take that meaning and completely change it and then all of a sudden we're not having to live from that place so true. I love it. It's beautiful. It's important. And I really appreciate you sharing that, your own journey. I think it's helpful for people to be able to put it into context. It's really, really helpful. And now, do, you, do you know? Oh, go on. No, no, you go. I was going to say another thing I do too as a way to, there's a lot of work around the inner child work. And I always carry, I've got one right next to me, is a little photo of me when I was 18 months old. And so I always give love and thanks to that little girl and to me I've become really good at listening or observing my thoughts and feelings and it's amazing how many times we can hear these these little um, you know whether it's fear whether it's uh, fear of rejection whatever that may be Uh, once we can start connecting with it and understanding that this is like um it's up to us whether we give it power or not. Uh, and then so fear of rejection, when we find out, you know, for me too, like when I have a fear of something, I can be quite hard on myself. I have this strong inner critic. And when I do get caught up in this loop, I look at that little photo. It's a visual for me. And then I go, would you talk to that little girl like that? And the answer is always no. Mm-hmm. And so it stops me. So for your listeners, they ever get caught in like this repeating loop of thoughts, feelings, fears, whatever that may be. Have a little picture of yourself. I love that. And I think it's so poignant that we've kind of rounded out the conversation on this because just yesterday I was having this conversation with a girlfriend who was sharing with me that she's found herself using some not so not so healthy habits to cope with stressful situations. And I mentioned to her that one of my strategies that I've learned through the years of therapy is to really speak to yourself like you are that inner child and give yourself that same compassion that you would give to a young child. And it just changes things. It means that you're not going to berate yourself for using a behavior like that. You're just going to go, oh, you poor thing. Like you were feeling scared and this behavior showed up to help you and that's okay and let's move on. And it really just changes the way that you accept yourself. So true, so true. Now, I love the term toolkit, and it's one that I often use. And when it comes to having prepared strategies to lean on when needed, 
What are some things that you would suggest people could have in their toolkit for having these conversations? Yeah. So I think that uh, in your toolkit, the first thing, the most important thing, which we don't do a lot of, and especially women that I have discovered, is invest time with yourself. So plan it out, you know, especially if there's, there's, you know, especially women that have children and, you know, and, and try and run a business or work. It's just spend time with yourself mm. and journal, meditate, be mindful, journal about what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Uh, that is the most important thing. Uh, the other thing is I am happy to share a um, uh, a little plan on how to have these conversations as a giveaway as part of your toolkit. Uh, but the most important thing is invest time with self. I love that. And all too often women are just not willing to use any resources on themselves, whether it is energy, money, and in particular time. So I think that's a great one to really, mm. really stress how important that is. And thank you very much for offering to have that special um, print out that people can access. I'll make sure we pop the show uh, the notes for that in our show notes as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, with every guest, Catherine, we always end with a round of rapid fire questions. They're nothing tricky, just some easy questions. So if it's okay with you, I'll fire those at you. Absolutely. Go for it. Brilliant. So the first one is what is your go-to cafe order? I go to, it's always chai latte, almond chai latte. Yum. And would you say that you are a sweet or savoury person? Mm, depends on the day. I, I'm French, so I love my cheese. I'm going to go for savoury. So good. How would you describe your daily style or your uniform? My daily style. So these days, I would say a little bit grunge. Brilliant. <laughs> and what would you say is your worst habit? My worst habit is going into, I do lots of writing, so I tend to spend some time in my pantry thinking, which is not good when you've got yummy snacks in there. Do you know what? I do the same thing. I will stand in my pantry to think. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you're the first person I've met that does that. <laughs> to be fair, I've got uh, my pantry's sizable enough that I can have my journal in there and my pen and I'll often, and I guess too, it's a little bit of a reprieve from the boys. I've got six-year-old twins. So sometimes I'll just go and stand in the pantry and that's when I'll do some thinking and jot oh, stuff down. I love that. I love that. Little I don't do out. my journal. Oh, I love that. I don't, <laughs> I don't journal in there, but I do standing there. And for ages, my husband would go, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just looking at, and I just stare at jars, you know. Yeah. Of yep. nuts just or. Yeah, same. Yeah, funny. Now, what would you say is your best habit? My best habit is I get up at 4.15 every day and I meditate for about 30 to 40 minutes. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So important. What would yeah. you say is a favourite book of yours or one that you would recommend frequently? Oh, I think my favourite, favourite book is uh, by Napoleon Hill. Is it Think, Grow Rich, Think Rich? 
Grow. Oh, yeah. I can't even remember the night, the title. I'll find it. I'll pop it no, in po- there. Yeah, I know the, the poly- one that you mean. Yeah. Brilliant. And what was the last thing that you watched on TV? The oh, I'm watching. Um, so I'm, you know, Gaia TV. I don't know if you've heard of Gaia TV. So I've been watching all of uh, Bruce. Lipton's, um, uh, he's got a show on at the moment, Bruce Lipton, which I absolutely love. So I've been watching that, which is quite educational. So for me, I'm not a TV person, but I will watch things that uh, educates my brain. I found the book, it's called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, what would be your current favourite song? Or if you can't think of one that's current, your all-time favourite song? Oh, my all-time favourite song. Oh, I'm trying to think. It's it's a Drake song, believe it or not. Um, not his last album, but the second last album. I really love some of his songs. I think it's called Passion Fruit. Yes, I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah I love Drake very, as well. Oh, it's very, very cool. I love him. Yeah, such good music. And last but not least, what would be your all-time favourite quote or words to live by? So I love Carl Jung um, and my one of his uh, quotes would be, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and, and you will call it fate. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. That is a very good quote. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're most welcome, darling. I really, really appreciate your time and your knowledge today in having this chat with our community. I'll be sure to make sure we pop all of your contact details as well in our show notes. But where would be best for our community to connect with you? The best place is on my website. So it's Catherine. Uh, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, Plano, P-L-A-N-O.com. And I'm spelling Plano because somebody the other day called me Catherine Piano, which I thought that's really cute. But it's Catherine Plano and you'll find all my social media uh, stuff on there. There's heaps of free stuff on there as well too. I, I write a lot as a way to give back to my community and there's some yeah, free content on there anyway. Thank you. I really appreciate your time today and I am certain that you have shared some really thought-provoking content for our listeners and I'm sure a lot of people will be busy journaling tonight. Oh, good. Thank you so very much. I've enjoyed our conversation and wishing you and your listeners a fabulous day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 